This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Cynthia Cummins, welcome to the show. Hello, Mark. It's really great to be here. I'm glad you're here too. And it's uh, 2021. It's March. And, uh, you know, I was just making a video for Snapchat and TikTok this morning. I really think 2021 is going to be an incredible year. I, I have so much optimism and so much hope for this year. I think a lot of people are going to have such a great year this year that they're going to forget about, to a certain point, to a certain extent, I should say, uh, of 2020. What do you think? <laughs> Well, I think that if we're lucky, the lessons that we gleaned from 2020 are going to serve us really well going forward. So it can't help but be a great year. I I love that. So before we get started, I want to put you in context for my audience. Who are you and what do you do? I am uh, Cynthia Cummins, and I what I do is I'm a real estate agent. I've been a real estate agent for 30 years or more, actually. And I have always worked in and still work in San Francisco. So that's an interesting place to be a realtor. Now, you know the song, obviously, I Left My Heart in San Francisco. <laughs> yes. Is that is that where your heart is, San Francisco? Boom. I grew up in Virginia, and there are some things about the Blue Ridge Mountains and oh. the people I have back there that always call to me, but San Francisco definitely is home. Nice. Yeah. I've been to the Blue Ridge Mountains many, many years ago. They're probably still there. I think when I was like 15 years old, I'm like 55 now, but I'm pretty sure they're there, right? (laughs) Yes, they are. Last time I checked. Okay, good. So let's talk about giving yourself a break by bringing mindfulness and humor to everyday ordinary. Um, You know, we had a really chaotic 2020. Now we're in 2021, as I mentioned already. And, um, you know, I think humor has a lot to do with with my attitude. I I like to wake up every day. I tell people it's like I'm a little child at Christmas. I I look forward to who I'm going to meet, what I'm going to learn, the experiences I'm going to have that day. How do you approach each and every day? Well, I think it's interesting that you said that you wake up every day Uh, feeling delighted, like it's Christmas. And I, that's something that I'm actively practicing now. And I've done a lot of mindfulness training, and I have a regular, very sloppy Buddhist practice. But I really think the key is has to do something to do with lightening up and not taking oneself so seriously. But to do that, often we have to get quiet first. You know, it's interesting when you said that a lot of people don't take the time to be quiet. And for me, when I get quiet, and I mean, when I mean quiet, I don't mean I'm quietly on social media. I mean, I'm not on technology. I'm just quiet. Maybe it's in the backyard. I'm just hanging out with a dog or I go for a walk without headphones. When you get quiet, you get all these great ideas. You get all these thoughts of things you have to do. And I think I I want people to understand the power of being quiet. Let's talk about that for a few minutes. Well, it's the, the quiet thing is a lot of people, and I'm one of these people, at least in the past, when I got quiet, I would get totally freaked out, anxious, Mm. right? 
because I didn't know what to do with all the thoughts in my head. And um, I was raised to be a good girl, a hard worker, and I needed to always be striving to be better. So when I would get quiet, I would usually get terrified, right? Because there was nothing to do. And it takes figuring out how to be quiet with oneself and to be at home in ourselves at those moments so that we can, throughout the day, throughout the week, tap back into that feeling of being at home in ourselves. And there's a lot of, you know, there's some little tricks to that that I found can really be helpful. Uh, One of my favorite authors is Cal Newport. Um, he wrote a book called Deep Work, and he wrote a book called Digital Minimalism. He's got a new book out, which I just got yesterday. I can't wait to read. It's called um, something about email, a world without email or something like that. And he's got the saying in Digital Minimalism about embracing the boredom. You know, what happens is when we get onto, um, when we get onto, we're at a line at the, at the bank, we're at, in line at the supermarket, we always pull out our phones. We always have to be doing something. And I want to extend what he said, instead of embracing the boredom, I want to, you to embrace the silence because as a professional speaker, silence doesn't bother me. So what I mean by that is when I would be in front of an audience, doesn't matter if there's 10 or a thousand people, it doesn't matter. And, mm-hmm. and I asked the question, I can embrace the awkward silence. A lot of people, to your point, they get freaked out over that. They're like, oh, I got to say something. And we all know in sales, after you give the offer, whoever speaks next is the loser. And so, but people are so scared of silence. And I, I used to be that way, but I'm not that way anymore. I, I will sit there and let you talk and talk and talk and talk until I have something of value to say. Uh, I know a lot of people in my life, they, they can't handle silence. So they always fill it with other words. Well, you know, I think that what goes along with silence can be listening. And listening is so key to communicating clearly and to um, to getting what we want out mm-hmm. of life, like in negotiating or representing um, representing a home for sale. Listening is, is so key. And this was pointed out to me by my children's kindergarten teacher quite a few years ago. She had noticed she was a longtime teacher and was probably 30 or 40 years into her career at that point. And she had noticed how over the years there was just this epidemic of talking, like the little children coming into the classroom, just blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And that's the way it is with us, you you know, to, to check and see that we're still alive um, that we manifest in the world that we're that we're here. It's like we need our voice, and that can that can lead to a very uh, sort of frantic, anxious existence. I think. Hey there, it's Mark, and I want to invite you to become a Mark Struchowski Insider and get the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free. It all happens over at MrProductivity.com. I remember a number of years ago, my daughter, this is back, oh my goodness, 
We're 2021 now. I'm going to say she was in, oh my goodness, 19, no, the 19, it doesn't matter. She was young, maybe about 10, 11 years old. And she won an award for the best talker and her friend won the award for the best listener. And, you know, when I saw that, well, I was actually in the, the, the ceremony. I'm like, wait a minute. Are you telling me that you have to get an award for every child and the award you gave my child is the best talker? Um, I'm, I'm 55 <laughs> and I remember when only the brightest people got reward awards, only the people with perfect attendance got awards who, who ace exams. Now they give it, ex- uh, they give it pro trophies to everyone, which is a, a totally a topic for a totally different podcast. But I just thought it was so funny that my daughter got the award for the best <laughs> talker. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Was she, uh, was she pleased? She was kind of confused. She, I remember when they, they gave it an award because she knew that everyone in class was going to get an award. Okay. And when she got the award and they called her name up on stage before she went up, she looked at me. She like, she had this puzzled look like, what? <laughs> what kind of award is that? Uh, and even her age, she knew that that they were really stretching for. This is the person who can go to the bathroom without a pass the best. You know, today they come up with all these awards because we, Lord forbid, if we don't give everyone an award. Look, I grew up in an age, and I don't know about you, I grew up in an age where, you know, if you didn't qualify, if you didn't get an A, you didn't get uh, an honorary degree or I'm sorry with the, the honor roll. Okay. Only the brightest people got it, but now everyone gets an award. And I think that kind of, it kind of like, um, waters it down. It's like, like the super bowl, like Kansas city and new England or nah, hello, not Tom Brady. He's in Tampa Bay. Now Tampa Bay and new and Kansas city. What if they both gave them both the same super bowl champion trophy and they both gave them the exact same amount of money. It would be like, Okay, so I won the Super Bowl. Who cares? But one team got more because they won the game. And I think I think the winners, and I don't care what sex you are, how old you are, you know, how you identify yourself with, I think the best of the best should get the rewards and other people shouldn't. That's just my opinion. What are your thoughts on that? Hmm. That there's a lot to unpack there. The, well, yes, I think that I think that rewards rewards. There's something about the external reward of, well, you're stuck. I'm bad that you can see, I don't know how to respond. Um, The, I think that when we're giving people rewards at random, just to make them feel good, um, like the, like this trend for giving every kid in the class an award for something like being able to raise their hand before they go to the bathroom or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely dilutes it and it becomes meaningless. I think there's more meaningful ways. I don't know about the Super Bowl, right? Um, but I think there's more meaningful ways to recognize that somebody's doing their best. And it, I agree. it's not a, it's not an award. Yeah, I, I agree. And I just think, you know, we talk about social media, you know, people have, uh, are become influencers and they have millions of followers. And I, I don't really follow a lot of influencers on social media. I don't spend a lot of time on social media because I've got work to do, but I, I see people and they've gotten to the level now where they have a trillion followers 
And all they do is pitch other people's products. And look, I'm a capitalist. I have no problem with them. Is that how you make your money? Mazel tov. If someone's going to pay you, I have no problem with it. It's like I don't have a problem with someone, any sport, who wants a trillion dollars. I'm like, hey, kudos for him for asking for it. You know, the owner can say yes or no. So I don't have a problem with that. But I, I have a problem when people say, well, you got to respect this person because he's an influencer or you have to respect this person because they have this particular office or role or whatever. I think you have to earn your respect. Now, I will always give you the benefit of the doubt. I will always respect people first until you give me a reason otherwise. So I don't come at it from the opposite, re- the opposite angle. But I think that people get to a certain level and they just say, you know what? I, I just... I am who I am and you should respect me, even though you don't know me. And I'm like, I don't know you. You just, you just said that to yourself. So I think in order for us to get along better, and I think this is one of the problems that's going on in our country. One of many problems is everyone thinks that they're the most important in the, uh, in the world, in their, in their world, in their, um, in their inner circle. And I think that is very, um, I don't think that's a, a a way to live a life. And that's my, just my personal opinion. Right. Well, I think that, I mean, when you get right down to it, we are all, whether we know it or not, we all are the center of our own universe. Yes. Right. And it's, it's, there is a tendency, um, I think in our culture to come at things from this sort of me, 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 how am I doing? What am I doing? How am I doing it? Um, this self scrutiny, and and you see that reflected in the evolution of things like influencers, right? Um, and I I I think one reason that I or other people might feel a little panicked when they get quiet is that when you get quiet. It is just you. It's just you. Yes. You're not an influencer. There's you don't have a entourage following you around. There's no boss. There's nobody to respect you. There's no one for you to respect. It's just you. And that can be a little bit frightening, but with a little gentle humor, it can be less frightening. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I I'm so glad you said that that you're just you with your thoughts. And I remember the first time I tried to meditate, I I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was so clueless. I I was trying to force it, you know. And so <laughs> I read I read Jay Shetty's excellent book. I highly recommend it. Think like a monk, and he really broke down mindfulness and meditation. And he goes, I've been a monk for 13 years. He says when these apps tell you you can meditate for five minutes, he says you really can't. He says, it takes me 10 to 15 minutes as a practicing monk for 13 years to get all the voices to quiet down. So how are you going to do that in five minutes? But he says, you know, if you go for a walk or run or a bike ride without technology, that's a form of meditation. If you're in the shower and you don't have music blaring or something like that, that's a form of meditation. So we don't have to sit in the lotus position for three hours to meditate if you can just be quiet. So what I try to do when I go for a run or something like that, I just, I don't bring my AirPods around with me. I just go for a run. And what happens after about maybe five, six, seven minutes, I'm not thinking about anything anymore. I'm just enjoying nature. I'm enjoying the sun. I'm enjoying seeing other writers or other runners and bikers on the trail. It's amazing. So I think for me to understand meditation and mindfulness, 
think like a monk changed my life and really helped me understand what it's all about. How about you? Oh, well, yes. I mean, I've been dabbling in various um, Buddhist oriented mindfulness modalities for a long time. And um, when I say that I have a sloppy Buddhist practice, I really mean that because I've never quite been able to get myself to sit for, I've never gone on a long silent retreat or done any of those things that a serious practitioner would do. And for people who do that, that's fantastic. And I think that our world benefits from that. Just the, just the act of them holding that for the rest of us is fantastic. But, um, you know, most of us just, we, we can't get there. I mean, the first time that I tried to sit and be quiet and pay attention to my breathing, um, I almost, you know, I really did almost have a panic attack. Like I had a hard time, I had a hard time breathing. And, uh, but, you know, I think there, I think there is somebody who said, start where you are. Yes. Start where you are. And it sounds, Mark, like you started where you were. You started with the run, you know, getting outside, not taking your ear pods along, which, by the way, is a great idea, I think, for most people, because you never know what's sneaking up on you, right, when you're outside, (laughs) walking in the park, you know, let's have all of our senses available. Um, But, you know, start where you are. And one of my favorite practices or tips is if you're in the middle of your day, let's say you have a difficult phone call to make, or um, you've just gotten some news that you need to respond to that's less than pleasant. There's nothing like three breaths and Mm. taking, taking the time to breathe in slowly and exhale slowly just three times can be so challenging, but that's a great place to start and it can completely change what comes next when we can just tune into ourselves in our home, in our bodies and get quiet. Then we can face whatever that next thing is. Hey, I now have an affiliate program where you can earn up to 30% commission just for referring people to my paid program. To find out more, go to MrProductivity.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and click the link. You know, I agree with everything you just said because one of the things I always tell my clients is the power of the micro break. And the micro break is not like a 30 or 45-minute break. It's like, okay, you reach the point of overwhelm or frustration. And which means your productivity takes a hit. So what you do is you get up in your area. This is really key. Wherever you are, you get up physically and you, I would suggest people walk outside and you don't take technology with you. You don't check, you know, Snapchat, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, you don't (laughs) talk to anybody. You just go out there and do some deep breathing and it can take a minute. It can take five minutes. But when people do this, they come back in and their whole state has changed. But what people do, they're like, oh, I got to get this project done. And they're just cramming it through. And I'm like, no, you're better off. Even if you can see the end in sight, you're better off to get up and go get refreshed for five minutes, come back and finish 
the, the project or the task strong because you took that break. And to your point, it doesn't take very long. You could take this three breaths uh, before you get that phone call. The phone starts ringing or whatever. Just take those deep breaths. Um, one of the people I, I uh, took a couple courses from, Brendan Burchard, he says that when you go from one task to another, you transition by closing the one task and then you take several deep breaths. You jump around, uh, get the blood flowing, the same things in micro break. And then you go to the next task. What most people do, they go from task A to task B to task C. And meanwhile, your brain, even though you're on task C, is still thinking about task B and A, which means task A, you're not as efficient as you normally would be. And so those micro breaks, or like you said, taking those three deep breaths allows your brain to go, okay, we're recalibrated, we're fine. But people go, ah, I don't have time for that, or it's too woo-woo. Let me tell you, it works. <laughs> it, it really works. And I mean, I know that you talk about this a lot. It comes up all the time. The in in the quest to be productive and to enhance one's productivity, there is you know there's a line that that we walk where um, you take the micro break, but you don't want the micro break to turn into oh I'm going to go ahead and set the Roomba up to vacuum the, <laughs> right yeah or I'm going to go ahead and organize this um, this gadget drawer you know there's a fine line there but I think that most of us or most of the audience for the podcast, um, you know, they're thinking about how we're not trying to figure out how to slouch around. We're thinking, how can I be more productive? How can I do more? And there's this striving, this striving that can strip all the joy and fun from our lives when we're just, and, and with, in, with the COVID shelter in place and at home on Zoom, it's just, okay, I'm going to get out of bed. I'm going to drag myself into to my office chair. I'm going to hook up to Zoom. I'm going to have a cup of coffee. And pretty soon you you feel like you're, I don't know, in Siberia or something. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's a quote that I love by um, the founder of San Francisco Zen Center, um, Suzuki Roshi, he's, and I, I might not get this right, but he said, um, what we're doing here is so important. We better not take it too seriously. Wow. And I just love that. I love that. <laughs> That's incredible. That is, an, you know, listener, you should rewind that and listen to that again. Cause that is so, so very thought provoking. I'm glad you shared that with us, uh, Cynthia. Um, well, we reached the point of the episode where we're going to um, transition into something, which I call Mike swap. And you said you're game for this. So if you've <laughs> never listened to the show before, thank you for tuning in today. What Mike swap is, is allow the guest in this case, Cynthia to ask me one to three questions they don't have to be about productivity. Just don't ask me anything about social security numbers or credit card numbers. But this is to A, keep me sharp and B, to, I don't know, to I don't, entertain the audience because I literally have no que- what idea what questions you're going to ask me. So one to three questions, they're all yours. So Cynthia, it's all yours. All right, Mark, I'm glad that you asked me to ask you some questions and um, what uh, what comes to mind? I, I have two for you. Okay. These are, these are favorite questions that I like to ask people. 
So uh, my first question is, was there a book that you read as a kid, a book that you particularly loved? Um, what was it? And what was it that you liked about it? Was there a character that you that you really liked? You know, I'm really ashamed to admit this, but <laughs> I, I'm an avid reader now. I mean, I literally don't have enough time to read. I mean, I wish someone would pay me like $10 million a year and all I had to do was read books. I was never a reader as a kid. I read when I had to in school, but I hated reading. But somewhere between a graduating college and today, well, not today, several years ago, the switch flipped. And now I can't get enough of reading. So I'm kind of ashamed to tell you, Cynthia, um, I hate to ruin your question, but I, I hated reading. Um, when they said, okay, you got to read this book. Oh, I don't want to read and write a book report. So I'm, I'm kind of ashamed to say that, but I have corrected that in uh, my life now. Well, I please don't, don't feel ashamed. You wouldn't be the first person who didn't like reading, especially, I mean, not to overgeneralize, but a lot of, of, of boys were never encouraged to read or not encouraged to read. Reading was presented to them as this job that they had to do, and it wasn't fun, right? They, yep. it, was, it was serious business. Now you're going to read. So, um, okay, well, let's try another one. Okay. All right. So this is, um, we're going to have a, a, a special time together. It's tea time. Okay. And this is, this is not real right? This is, can be whatever you want. We're going to sit down for tea time. And what I want to know is what is your order for tea time? Well, about four years ago, I listened to an audio book. It was a productivity audio book. And he gave a whole bunch of hacks there because as a productivity expert, I'm also a productivity student. And the guy was talking about, he did this experiment where he only started drinking water all day, all night, all week, all year. And I'm <laughs> like, man, I love my diet chemical. I mean, my diet Coke. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this. And I did it for almost a full year. Okay. Then I decided, well, I'm going to have a diet Coke. And let <laughs> me tell you, I felt horrible. So now I am such a water snob now, Cynthia. Mm -hmm. That we get that water uh, delivered to our home in those recyclable five-gallon uh, bottles. Uh, yeah. I love my water so much as a, a mountain spring water from Ozarka here in Texas. I bring, when I go to Bible study or church, I bring my water with me. My wife and I go to a restaurant. I bring my water with me. Everywhere I go, I have my water with me. So if I was going to order something to drink, it would be mountain spring water. I know that's really boring, but I can tell you it has given me so much more energy and I feel healthier than I ever felt in my entire life. Well, I'm a big fan of water. I mean, in some ways, who isn't? But, you know, that was an interesting Freudian slip about the my diet. What did you say? My diet, diet chemical. chemical. <laughs> <laughs> well, my wife hates me when I say that. Well, she doesn't hate me. She hates when I say that. And I, I said, look it. She goes, well, water's chemical too. I said, look it. But water contains water. What does Diet Coke contain? It, 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 words I can't even say. And so, listen, if you like Diet Coke, if you like regular Coke, you like, you know, I don't like liquor. If you like this stuff, I, I don't judge you. I'm saying what I found for me by drinking water all the time, I feel better. 
I'm not saying you have to do it. If you don't, you're a loser. I'm not one of those people. I'm not going to cancel you because you don't drink water. Okay. I just telling you, like I tell on my show, I'm very honest with my guests and my audience. This is what works for me. And so I'm kind of boring, but I like my water. And one of my guests on my show, this is very fascinating. I used to drink cold water and they say, you know, it's better to drink room temperature water. I'm like, why? Because if you drink cold water and it goes down to your spleen or kidney, liver, whatever, whatever organ is, it's the shock to the system. But if you drink lukewarm water or, or ambient temp water, it's better for you. So I started drinking room temperature water and I feel even better. So I'm just reporting, Cynthia. That's all I'm doing. Well, I'm, um, it's funny about the, the cold water thing. I grew up in the South and um, within a family where, you know, you had to have ice every, right? You couldn't live without ice. And um, eventually over time, I learned that maybe you don't need ice all the time. And I, I seek out room temperature water now because it's just more pleasant it really is more pleasant but you have to train yourself a little bit with that um so with your with tea i just want to let you know that i'm going to serve you some beautiful water right from the springs of mount shasta Mm. um i'm going to put it in this beautiful glass that was um created by an artist here in the Bay Area, and I'm going to garnish it with a slice of Meyer lemon from the tree in the backyard. Okay. So that'll make it just a little extra special for you yes. today. Well, I thank you for the spot of tea, if they would say over in England, and uh, thank <laughs> you for participating in Mike Swap. That was really fun. The final question I have for you is where can we go to find out more about you and what you're doing in the world? Well, I... Um, I think that there are two ways to find out about me. I have a blog that's called Real Estate Therapy. That's realestatetherapy.org. Love that. And if you go there, there's um, a lot of writings about home, basically about home, how real estate is really about home, and a little bit of attention to the idea that our ultimate home is actually within ourselves and we carry it around with us. So that's realestatetherapy.org. If you want to know more about my uh, daily real estate practice, my website is Kindred SF Homes. That's Kindred as in Kindred Spirits. SF is in San Francisco, homes.com. All right. Well, Cynthia, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the show today and sharing your insights with us. Absolute thrill having you on here. I love talking with you, Mark, and I'm, I'm looking forward to our the date that we're going to have for some water. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchewski Podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchewski Insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.